Still speaking, God, as these words from Scripture are read, may it be to us as if the heavens are opening and we see your Spirit descending on us like a dove, revealing your love for us as your daughters and sons. Amen. Our first reading today is from Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 9. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry out or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. In a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his teaching. Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. See, the former things have come to pass. And new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. The voice of the Lord, powerful and full of majesty. Thanks be to God. Our gospel reading for this morning is from Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Listen to the word of the Lord. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens opened to him, and he saw God's Spirit descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from the heavens said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I I'm well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise God of freedom, your beloved meets us where we are, immersed in the flow of life. By his humility and solidarity, raise us from fear and guilt. May the ark of the Spirit's flight make us a people of peace. Through Jesus Christ, the Son of Righteousness. Amen. Jesus' baptism, Mr. Rogers, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., 
the struggle for racial equality, and my email signature. All of these things are interconnected. We'll start with my email signature. Someone asked me this week, Joel, why do you sign all of your emails, One Struggle to Love? Have any of you wondered that before, as many of you get emails from me every single week? It's a good question, and it grows out of the story you just heard, the baptism of Jesus. This is my single favorite story in all of Scripture. You might say I am obsessed with it. It is, I believe, the story because it expresses our core struggle as human beings. Above all, humans need to know that they are loved. It is our deepest hunger to know that we are good that we are worthy of love and belonging. And love, it is no small thing. It is no weak thing. It is the thing. And from the very beginning, God has been telling us how much we are loved, if only we have ears to hear. Last Sunday, we celebrated the Epiphany, when the Magi come and kneel before the Christ child. And between now and Lent, which of course will be here before we know it, is this season of Epiphany, in which the good news of Christ is revealed to the world. And so every year, the first Sunday after the Epiphany, is the Baptism of the Lord Sunday, where we return to the Jordan River and we witness the truth of Jesus' identity made manifest. That's what an epiphany is. It's a moment of revealing in which a previously hidden truth is laid bare. Notice that an epiphany does not create the truth. It reveals an already existing truth, and that's exactly what we see in Jesus' baptism. So Jesus approaches his cousin, John, seeking to be baptized. Well, John, we didn't read it, but if we go back a couple verses in chapter 3 of Matthew, he's been leading a renewal movement, bringing people back to Israel's birthplace at the Jordan River. See, Israel was born after God had freed them from slavery in Egypt, and after 40 years of wilderness wandering, Joshua brings the people to the Jordan River where they cross over into the promised land. And so the waters of the Jordan are the womb from which Israel emerges. And they are born as a nation with the hope of being a light to all the world. They are to live as God's beloved people, which is what the covenant was all about. The covenant between God and Israel is that God would be Israel's God and that Israel would be the people of God, and they would live in a relationship of covenant love that the world would see and marvel. That was the plan. But if you know how the story plays out, things didn't go exactly as planned. Instead of living as a liberated people, Israel became more like Egypt, seeking power, not love. And the relationship between God and Israel was strained to the point of breaking. And so by the time of Christ, Israel is being ruled by yet another foreign empire, and John the Baptist steps in to this story and says, let's run it back. 
Let's go back to where it all started. Only this time, we're going to do things right. This time, things will be different because this time, we will be a people of repentance. So John's message is one of repentance and change. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And the people come to him in droves, wanting to start fresh, hoping that somehow, this time, things will be different. And and that idea, that sounds so familiar to me, especially this time of year, where every ad that I see on social media promises a transformed life in just 30 days. (laughs) If only I drink this nutritional shake or try this new exercise equipment or use this meditation app, it will change everything, I promise. Whatever the it is, the list is infinite and the pitch is always the same. We are suckers for messages of a changed life if only we do this. And so for John, the message was confess your sins, be baptized because God is coming and you better shape up. And and this hunger for a new life, it, it runs deep and the cost is always about trying harder, right? Pushing further, doing more than what other people are willing to do. That's how you win in life, we are told. And John raises the expectations that there is one coming after me who will go even further than I do. And so Jesus steps into those expectations and he says to his cousin, can I be baptized too? Apparently, this isn't what John expected. He thought Jesus was coming to whip the troops into shape, not to take his place alongside them. He says, I should be baptized by you, yet you come to me. See, contrary to John's expectations, Jesus doesn't come to scold. He doesn't come to give orders. He comes to hear words of love spoken over him, in baptism. It turns out Jesus needs to hear the same thing that we do, to know that he is loved exactly as he is. And so Jesus joins us on our baptismal journey. He has a long road ahead of him, full of struggle and suffering and danger. And if he is going to make his way, he needs to know who he is and why he's here, and that's exactly what he hears in baptism. When Jesus had been baptized just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were open to him, and he saw God's Spirit descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from the heavens said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. So right there on the banks of the Jordan River, Jesus has an epiphany. He hears his true identity, that he is God's beloved son in whom God is well pleased. And note that Jesus' baptism didn't make him God's beloved son. No, that was already true. It simply revealed that which was already true. And remember, to this point, Jesus hasn't taught anybody hasn't healed anybody, hasn't fed anyone. 
God's approval comes preloaded, it seems. So the words Jesus hears at his baptism, they are not a reward for a job well done. No, they are, they are the foundation upon which Jesus will do his job well. John thinks Jesus has come to whip us into shape, to give us a 30-day program for a new, hot, godly body, to join the endless procession of voices who promise to transform our lives, if only we work harder than the next person. And instead, Jesus subverts all of our expectations, and he hears that glorious truth that he already is the beloved of God. Not because something he's done, but simply because he is. Now, the reason this story has captivated my imagination is not because of what God said about Jesus. The story captivates me in the hope that God says the same thing about me and about you. That's our baptismal journey. That's what the Christian life is all about. It is coming to trust that what God said over Jesus in his baptism, God says over each one of us as well. The great struggle of our lives is trusting that we are the beloved of God, not because of what you've done or what you believe, but simply because you exist. You might even call it our one struggle to love. We often associate love with um, niceness or weakness. The love is so much more than that. Mr. Rogers once said, love isn't a state of perfect caring. It is an active noun, like struggle. To love someone is to strive to accept that person exactly the way he or she is right here and now. That's the struggle we're all in, to accept others, and I'll add, to accept ourselves exactly as they are, not how we wished they would be, not how we think they should be. That's what love is. It is total acceptance of who we are, which is exactly what Jesus hears in his baptism. And this struggle, it's at the heart of the Christian life. It is also at the heart of our struggle for racial equality. Tomorrow we celebrate the life and legacy of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. And for King, the key to bringing about racial and economic equality in our world was love. The world that King envisioned, the world that he lived for and he died for, is what he called the beloved community, which is where everyone recognizes themselves and each other as the beloved of God. And so the goal isn't a community of mutual toleration where we just put up with one another. No, the goal is to see ourselves, to see the other person as they truly are, God's beloved child. Jesus' baptism, Mr. Rogers, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the struggle for racial equality, my email signature, <laughs> It's all one struggle to love. Baptism doesn't create the truth. It instead reveals an already existing truth that we are the beloved of God, not because of something we've done or something we believe, but simply because we exist. 
And that, it turns out, is enough. This is the good news from all eternity, that the love you are searching for, the approval you so desperately want, it's already yours. It comes preloaded. So remember this good news spoken over you in both water and in word that you are and always have been the beloved of God. Amen.